0: Y'all, we wouldn't be here without Youth Scene, the organization that sponsors this podcast, How to Be Queer. Youth Scene envisions a society where young people are empowered as individuals to access non judgmental and unbiased treatment in every aspect of their lives. They encourage the creative creation of a community that celebrates everyone's worth, d- diverse characteristics, and dignity. Youth Scene provides mental wellness, resources, education, and support for all the LGBTQ communities, including youth and their families. So head on over to Youth Scene. That's youth s e e n.org and click on connect to give your money to support this organization dedicated to supporting our queer, trans, black, indigenous people of color communities. Hey, balls of magic. Welcome back
1: to How to Be Queer podcast. My name is Alex, my pronouns are they them. Hi, my name's Kim, my pronouns are she, her. Welcome back everyone. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you for listening. We got a doozy of an episode for you today. We're excited
1: about this one. Yeah. And thank you to youth scene, who is our sponsor supporter and all the amazing things. If you are enjoying this podcast, can you do me a favor and please go over to their website, find a way to support them. They are amazing in the work that they do for our community.
0: Yes. Youth scene, S E E N.org. Youth scene is dedicated to supporting the QT BIPOC communities. So go over to the website. There's a there's a button right on the homepage that says connect that will take you right to the page where you can connect and share and um, throw some money because- everybody needs
1: money. everybody needs money.
0: Everybody needs money.
1: Everybody needs money. And if you got it, you got to go spend it. And if you've been listening to this podcast, yep, go show them some support. We wouldn't be here without them mm-hmm. in many ways. So Alex, what are we talking about today? We're talking about uh, intimacy yeah sex
0: lesbian deathbed
1: well you know me i love an opportunity to debunk a bunch of patriarchal bullshit, which we're gonna do today that's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do Mm -hmm. and then you are gonna um, share some experiences with uh, your own experiences in the hopes of maybe finding some healing and um, visibility Mm -hmm. for folks that are non-binary or might be transitioning Mm -hmm. yeah when it relates to sex Yes. Because I mean, there's so many resources out there that talk about this. <laughs> yep. Hey, before we get into that, because we've been watching the show and we've been doing um, kind of recaps on some of the stuff we're seeing, because there's a super interesting storyline playing out. We are going to talk about in just like that, and we're going to get it out of the way first. Yeah, this is episode eight. So if you haven't watched episode eight yet, pause, fast forward, or just like pause and go watch it and then come back and listen to this one part that we wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. with it. So are you still, so this is your chance. Get out now because we're going to spoil some shit for you. Okay. You're out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Out. And now okay. You're back. okay. <laughs> um, Alex, or what did you think of this week's episode? And just to recap it a little bit, Miranda finally comes clean with Steve that she is in fact, not wanting to continue on with their marriage. What did you think? I think,
0: you know, it was, they dedicated what three minutes to it. And it was very I remember holding my breath, like, like watching the scenes. And I was like, why this is just,
1: it was very odd. It was
0: very odd. Um, yeah.
1: Well, and, it, and it's a bit like we're in episode eight and I think it was like maybe episode one or two, um, Miranda starts to have this, uh, awakening of her, um, Maybe her orientation, although she's not quite naming it, she's kind of using a mm-hmm. blanket, which is totally fine. She's using a, a blanket terminology for herself as queer, but we've kind of been building to this of like eight episodes of the the, the marriage between Steve and Miranda is, is not what Miranda wants. Um, Has she said she's queer? I heard her say queer, or okay. maybe Che put it on her. Either way, that was the word I heard. Okay. I have not heard Miranda say she's a lesbian which yeah. is so interesting because you and I go through this because I'm like I'm a lesbian but I'm with a person who doesn't identify as female and oh my goodness this gets really challenging really quickly
0: yeah I I get the whole part where because she says for she's been saying for a couple episodes few episodes now where she's like I've just never felt this way before yeah and so I get that whole that natural like realistic authentic process of like how long you can spend and like what does this mean like what
1: like you can't kind of name it for a while totally until you do so um but the part that was I, I don't know I I'm just not sure what these writers are doing <laughs> um because on one hand I'm like I really identify with. Miranda yeah. that she has found someone that she's having these experiences with that feel like nothing she's ever experienced before. I totally get that. If I've told you, I'm like, so this is what porn could be like.
0: Well, I mean, they did, did that one snapshot of that, of the scene and we're like, yep. And yep.
1: Yep. And yep. there was the, the kitchen scene with the, the orgasm. And then there was the, which I love seeing online where people are like, but did they actually have sex? And I'm like, right. Because we're, we're going to get into this later. Oh, sex does not necessarily mean insertion of a penis. That's not necessarily who you find sex. Anyway, it's um, like the, who's the man? N- neither. That's neither. the point. Yeah, right. <laughs> fucking shit. I love dispelling this shit. But then the the scene that was was clearly a scene of like real intimacy that it was kind of looking like maybe they had just had sex and um there was, a, there was a nipple in the, in the thing. And there was a, a little kissing of the nipples. A little kiss on the nipples and it was so cute because we're sitting on our sofa watching it. And it's like, you, our eyes slowly <laughs> met. <laughs> it's like, you know what we're going to do later. Oh, you, I do. You, yep. Yep. <laughs> so thank you for just like that for showing us. And I did look at you and kind of giggled and I'm like, this is
0: what porn could be. <laughs> and it was like, yeah.
1: Totally. It was pretty funny. But anyway, but the part of the show that I wanted to talk about was that, you know, Miranda does finally come clean to well, and it come clean. I don't even like the fact that I'm saying that she she has the discussion with Steve like this is not what I want. Um our this life, this marriage and he kind of says to her like, "But Miranda, we're old." And she's like, at 55. You really want to do this for the next 30 years?" Um they're not connecting sexually. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of intimacy between them. Um, and you know, we could talk forever about, for people that love the show, like the whole progression of Steve and Miranda and how we are where we are. And in some ways people are painting Steve into this picture of like this amazing partner and husband and all this. I'm like, but he, he did cheat on her too. Mm -hmm. So, and they did come back from that, but I think it's been a contentious or flawed relationship for, I don't even want to say flawed, but it's not the storybook romance where they've ever shown them as this couple that like can't live without each other. I've never taken them that way at least.
0: Oh, absolutely. And especially where she's like, she's like, I just want, like the only words she had was I just want more, more, I want more than this. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is, isn't this, Enough. Yeah. And he goes through his whole like this is what we do every day. And
1: she's like, Yeah, no. Yeah, this isn't enough for her. And what was sad is that he's thinking it's enough for him. Yeah. Which I don't think it really it is. Yeah. So I'm hoping that maybe they're gonna show us Steve where it's enough for Steve. Mm. Right. Like Mm -hmm. maybe that, that would be a great direction. But here was my issue with it. So we go from Miranda having this conversation with him where she's like, this isn't enough for me. And I'm like waiting. I'm like, when is she going to come out? When is she going to come uh-huh. out? When is she going to come out? And then the next thing we know she's in a, in an Uber going to meet Che in Cleveland, which spoiler alert, Che has already said, I don't do traditional. Yeah, And I'm like, Ooh, what's this what going to look like? That mean? Yeah. <laughs> Cause even though Miranda's saying I'm not traditional and I'm like, something tells me Miranda's not going to want to share
0: Well, wouldn't that word be also um, rooted in heteronormity?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious to see like where we're going here, but the point being, so now Miranda's in the back of the cab and she's calling Carrie and she's like, I told Steve everything. I told him about Che, I told him about this. And I'm like, (laughs) "What? wait a minute. We didn't get to see that conversation happen. Yeah. They stopped it where she's like,
0: I met someone. That's all. That's, that's all we it. got. That's
1: all we got. Yeah. And like, so wait a minute. That's like a, that's a, that's a, that's a huge moment for this character to come out to like, you know, their most trusted person that they, they have a marriage and a child with Yeah. the, the, the bravery for her to, to, to be honest and to be seen and to, and it was just, I'm living in, I mean, her quote, her, I'm living in a rom-com, a rom-com <laughs> Carrie. I told Steve all of this stuff and I'm like, but we couldn't show that conversation, isn't that bizarre to you that they mm-hmm. just jumped right over that?
0: They smeared it. <laughs> Shmear. They smeared schmear. over Such it. Such a
1: gross word. <laughs> oh, it's, okay. <laughs> it's, it's like, do we put that in the same category as
0: moist? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like cream cheese. Smear. <laughs> okay. It's just, I'm just going to move on. Just move on. Um, yeah. They glossed over it. How about that?
1: They really did. And I thought, oh my God, what a freaking easy way out. Uh-huh. Than actually talking about the difficulty of when you've been in a in a normative heteronormative relationship to have to come out to your partner. Yeah, and they sorry and and just like that you you totally fucked that. Yes. To not have the bravery to show that conversation, to not have the bravery to write it.
0: That could have been so healing for
1: so many freaking people, so many people. I'm like, because Mm -hmm. let me tell you something, it doesn't go from having that conversation to suddenly you're in the back of the cab going, oh my gosh, like, Hey, I'm in a rom-com that is so not accurate to what, and I've had that conversation in real life. Yeah. And I had it with a supportive partner that was like, I do want you to be happy and you deserve that. And I deserve that. But let me tell you, it's not a one and done conversation. Yeah, It's a gut-wrenching conversation for both of you Mm -hmm. that takes years at times to work through where you're doing it in a way that is still supportive and respectful of the other partner. Yeah. I mean, I just was like, oh, for fuck's sake, this show, it needs to end.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I had that conversation too. And of course it was like, you will be, (laughs) you will not be you. No, that's not an option.
1: Yeah. Well to think that, so we, we both had to have that conversation. Mine was incredibly um, supportive, but it took for both of us years to come to terms with what it was going to mean. Yeah. Um, it was not a one and done conversation, but it was always supportive. And I felt like my mental health and his mental health was we we centered each other as much as we could. Um yours obviously was not. Yeah. But the I don't know, maybe my expectations are too high for the show. I don't know. But the fact that they didn't show that conversation, it really irked the shit out of me. Yeah. Marked.
0: Yeah. Totally. Because yeah. Um yeah, I understand. They
1: took an easy way out. Yes. So, shame on you writers.
0: Yeah, I mean there's a whole bunch we could we could definitely, yeah, cuz our people's experiences with with coming out, there's there's so many different um different ways it can go and and you're right, I think it just it was an easy way out and be like and and I'm in the back of a car and I'm in a, in a rom-com and everything's wonderful and fine and like there's so many layers to it.
1: It just felt really, it felt really lazy to me.
0: Yeah. We have kitten parkour happening on our table. I
1: know. Can we just, I'm going to just talk about <laughs> what, is, what is happening right now. And then I, we sit in the, in our front room in our house where we have this like really pretty window and um, there's a piano in here and there's some club chairs. And if we're sitting at the table with our our mics and our headphones, I have a dog on my back. <laughs> which is Rosie. Who's the angel from heaven. <laughs> I have blueberry pancakes, which is the very adorable kind of like white and ginger cat sitting in front of me next mm-hmm. to the microphone. Captain underbite is actually taking a nap. He's not sitting at his microphone today. Although he had a rough night last night. <laughs> I know he actually looks like he's hung over, <laughs> but we didn't really do. I don't know. And then I, I, know I mean, we were
0: home. He probably had a party. We weren't yeah. home.
1: He could have had a party. And then Tuki is floating around here somewhere. Yeah. Is Tuki with you? No, she
0: no, she's not.
1: (laughs) I've been describing our house, Alex, as an unsuccessful animal sanctuary. Uh Uh-huh. True story. Because we have five pets. Yeah. Five.
0: Yeah. Five. 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 The morning routine is completely dedicated to taking care of animals. it's like i literally like i'll, I'll go downstairs and i'm like all right time to work on the farm <laughs> <laughs> let's go change some litter and change the water and the food and meanwhile there's like paws grabbing at my ankles it's fine well
1: and then you have to give bo his prozac and then bo gets his
0: prozac every day And then Rosie comes over. She's like, well, I want a treat too.
1: Yeah. Because Rosie doesn't take (laughs) process. Although she might need it. I do worry about her mental health sometimes because she's an emotional feeling dog. And I wonder if like all the people and emotions that come into our house, like maybe it's just too much for her. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should start. He definitely needs something. Look at him. (laughs) He just woke up folks. So you know what that means? We could get interrupted by captain underbite at any moment. Oh my God, this cat okay okay all right so do we want to hold on moving a cat okay so um one of the things what is happening oh I'll, I'll... oh what did i say i just I said know. bo woke up and now we're gonna have this highly produced podcast folks can we pause for one second and we'll yep. come back okay and we're back sorry folks you know highly produced podcast and all that <laughs> So Alex, part of what you and I, um, we went out to dinner on Friday evening with a dear friend of ours and we started having a conversation around sex and intimacy mm-hmm. and it kind of got us thinking about,
0: and the tables around us loved it.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a minute. So, um, uh, the person that we were having uh, dinner with on Friday night is also a part, it identifies as a lesbian, part of the queer community. Mm-hmm. And we went to like an amazing sushi restaurant and you know the tables were like a little bit close closer together. Yeah. Which awesome in this time of COVID, but you know, yeah, we had to go, we had to get out of the house. I had not been out of the house in like days. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I gotta go to a restaurant, I gotta do something. Um, so even though we were we we <gasps> masked up and did ow, Oh, oh
0: <laughs> something happened there. Oh my god. It was more kitten parkour
1: folks. <laughs> living in. Sorry, folks, but yes, we did manage to go out to dinner. If you would like to rent an animal, just
0: (laughs) come over to her. You can have... We have three cats and two dogs that are available for rent. Four children. <laughs> four children. These
1: are the choices we have made, Alex. <laughs> we have willingly made these decisions. Okay. I'm
0: sorry to interrupt you. Okay, so no, 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 so we're, totally in we're in the middle of the restaurant. In the middle
1: of the restaurant. Tables are a little close together, and we started talking about well, what is sex versus intimacy and all this stuff. You gotta stop laughing at me okay. now. Okay. What is sex versus intimacy? All this stuff. And there's like a there's like a what looks like two hetero couples, like couples on either side of our table. And you just see the dudes like, looking over, like what is happening at this table over here? What are they talking about? And then of course I turn into an asshole because that's who I am. And I'm like, I'm going to take your stare and I'm going to up the ante. Yep. <laughs> so I think I started talking about, you know, um, just sex, uh, queer sex and a little bit louder. And then I kept looking at him being like, would you like to join our table here? Would you like to share my, my, my soy sauce dipping dish? And I could tell that the woman that was with him was like, dude, like you're not even looking at me. Yeah. They eventually left,
0: (laughs) which I'm assuming
1: might not have ended in sex for them.
0: (laughs) Probably not. Both, Both tables on either side came in and left before came in after us and left be- before us. Yeah,
1: if something tells me it could have had something to do with our conversation and the fact that the both people that looked like they identified as male at their tables were more interested in what was happening at ours than what mm-hmm. was happening with their partner sitting across from them.
0: You know, because lesbians are there for men.
1: Oh, <sighs> uh. there you have it. So in our conversation about sex and intimacy though, we started talking, there's this, this concept And I really want to spend just a little bit of time talking about this, but there is a concept called lesbian deathbed. And I'm not kidding (laughs) you. There are two kittens acting out lesbian sex on the table right now. Oh my God. Hold on folks. This is a highly produced podcast. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. Concept called lesbian deathbed. They were doing 69. Okay. okay. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. So lesbian deathbed is a concept that lesbian couples in a committed relationship have less sex than any other type of couple. And the longer the relationships last, they generally experience less and less sexual intimacy as a consequence. Um, it can be defined as a drop-off in sexual activity two years into a long-term lesbian relationship. So this concept is based from a 1983 research by social psychologist, Philip Bloomsburg and sociologist pepper. I love that name. How cute is that name? Pepper Schwartz. Although I don't know that I like pepper Schwartz together. Pepper to me is like a cute dog or it's like maybe something you name your pet. Oh, okay. So this was published in American couples, money, work and sex. And again, it found the study. It found that lesbian couples reported lower numbers when asked how often during the past year do you and your partner have sexual sexual relations so this research has been criticized alex for a number of reasons so the first thing what i'm going to name is that they only interviewed white affluent wealthy people (sighs) (laughs) so very similar to a bmi how like a bmi is so again like the methodology in which we were surveying people we apparently only think that we only need to hear the opinions of like white affluent wealthy, like it's ridiculous in, in straight couples or no, they did interview all sorts of different couples, um, heterosexual, uh, queer. Um, but they were all the people within those couples, they only interviewed white affluent people. Okay. So problem right there. Problem right there. Um, but the research has been, it's been criticized for the methodology and because sexual activity in general, it just like decreases amongst all long-term couples. So Mm -hmm. the longer you're with somebody, um, the older that we get, the the less sex we tend to have just as a, as a basic rule of thumb, Mm -hmm. but they really focused on lesbian sex to understand like what happens to lesbians. So the analysis has been, Therefore, like if you actually look into what how they d- came up with this term, it's been pretty much like it's a myth, it's a popular myth now, but it doesn't like change the fact that we hear about this all the time. Yeah. Okay. So the two um, researchers, Bloomstein and Pepper Schwartz, conducted this survey, and then it was sponsored by um, the Russell Sage Foundation and the National Science uh, Foundation. Okay. So the findings are then published. And it concludes that lesbian couples in committed relationships have less sex than any other couple, including heterosexual, married, heterosexual, cohabitating or gay male. And again, these are all white people, um, and that they generally experience, and this was the kicker, they say that they experience less sexual intimacy, the longer the relationships last, which this is so problematic, um, So again, it's like, how long do you have, so here's some of the actual findings that they say that they found. Only about one third of lesbians in relationships two years or longer had sex once a week or more. 47% of lesbians in long-term relationships had sex once a month or less. And among heterosexual married couples, only 15% had sex once a week or less. They also reported that lesbians seem to be more limited in the range of their sexual techniques than did other couples. And that lesbian couples are less sexual as couples, as individuals than anyone else. Oh my God. So Alex, I'm going to ask you, what was the quote that you just read from Emily? Because this is going to like really frame (laughs) the rest of our discussion based off of this research. And I'm doing air quotes research in 1983, which coins this term that we still are talking about today. So what's the quote from our favorite Dr. Emily, what does she say?
0: So Emily Nag- Nagowski, who wrote Come As You Are, um, amazing researcher. She basically says, when you use male standards to assess all sexuality, the shit goes to hell.
1: This is why I love her. Uh huh. She's a PhD. She's yep. a fucking badass. And her quote is, the shit goes to hell. Yep. This is why we love her. We've talked about her before on this podcast, her book, Come As You Are. Yeah is a must read.
0: Yeah. And she even says in in the beginning of of that of that book because she's like when the 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 book was written a lot of her research at the time was was um heterosexual cisgender couples. It was, and she acknowledged
1: that she acknowledges that, but yeah. what she also acknowledged, which is why we, we keep saying, this is like, a. if you are a person that has certain body parts and those body parts, you know, are what you're using to have sexual activity, her book and understanding how your body parts work is like phenomenal. Yeah. It's like a game changer when you read it and you're like, oh my God, there. Yeah. And anyway, her and Gwyneth Paltrow, who also taught us the language around vulvas and vaginas. Thank you, Gwyneth. I really feel like we could be friends. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and,
0: (laughs) and the and the, just like, like that, you know, sex is, we always the patriarchy or the, like that sex is defined as insertion
1: or like, so yeah. So here's where, here's where it gets super fun when you start to like dispel some of this. Okay. Okay. So 85% of long-term married couples, what they do Right so these are the people that they're like oh they have the most sex okay okay so i <laughs> sorry i just had to crack up when i read this that when we're talking about the sex that they have which they're saying is statistically more mm-hmm. okay that it takes an average of 8 minutes to do it oh my god <laughs> So-
0: that's longer than a sweet potato in the microwave, or that's shorter than a sweet <laughs> potato in the microwave. A sweet potato in the microwave takes about 11 minutes <laughs> to be done.
1: <laughs> how long is a spaghetti squash? Because I love the way you make spaghetti squash. How long is that? Spaghetti squash
0: is about nine to make it really good.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> you're telling me the same amount of time it takes, like, that's how short. These people are like, well, we, we are clearly winning at the sexual Olympics here because we have the most sex, which takes eight minutes.
0: So go put your vegetable in the microwave. press, press, start, (laughs) go hop in bed, come back. And your vegetable is still in the microwave. I'm
1: dying right now. Okay. Okay. So here, so now we're saying, okay, so let's put all these people in this category to determine who is having the most sex. And if you are in a heterosexual relationship, these people are like, well, we win because we have the most sex, but it only takes eight months. And frankly, one of us might be feeling like, we didn't get everything we wanted. Okay. So now we're talking about lesbians, what we lesbians do on average. Okay. It frequently takes a little bit more than eight minutes. And we're looking at about 30 minutes, at least for what we define as sex. Okay. Yeah. So, so let's just, we're going to pause that. And then I'm going to keep going here for you. So with regard to women's overall sexual behavior and sexual satisfaction, we've got another study here, which is masters and Johnson's I'm sorry, not as fun as the name pepper sports, but <laughs> fine, whatever masters and Johnson, they do a study on lesbian sexual practices that concluded that lesbian sexual behaviors more often have qualities associated with sexual satisfaction than their heterosexual counterparts. So lesbians tend to focus more on a full body sexual contact rather than genital focused contact. There is less preoccupation with anxiety about achieving orgasm and more sexual assertiveness and communication about sexual needs. This, re- this it ends up creating longer lasting sexual encounters and greater satisfaction with the overall quality of one's sexual life. So the study that Pepper Schwartz did, which is then like, and now we're going to talk about lesbian deathbed was basically saying it is the frequency of sex that matters That's what we're measuring, not necessarily the quality of it. Yeah. And therefore lesbians get this horrible thing put on them saying you're in a lesbian deathbed because it's not eight minutes of like, meh (laughs) versus maybe a couple of times a month of 30 minutes of total full body satisfaction. Yes. Pepper Schwartz, I'd like to have a conversation with you. Okay. So they also reported in this other study that women in same-sex relationships They have similar levels of overall um, sexual satisfaction, um, lower levels, even if it is a lower level of sexual frequency, but women in same-sex relationships spend significantly longer amounts of time on an individual sexual encounter, often spending, here it is, upwards of two hours on a sexual encounter. Hey. But somehow it's a deathbed because it's not eight minutes of bliss once a week. So And there it is. And folks. there it is.
0: <laughs> well, I have a and I have a little um in 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 some information I found. Okay. Um, lesbian
1: separatist Barbara. Oh, is it a fun name like Pepper Schwartz? Lip lip Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's even better. Lip, lip, You, are making, you no. are making
1: that up. You are making that up.
0: L-I-P-S-C-H-U-T-Z. Okay. I'm giving you... Some... I mean, can
1: we just call her Lippy for short?
0: Lippy. Okay. Sorry. She wrote an, an, an essay in 1975 that says, no, that's called Nobody Needs to Get Fucked, and argued that holding hands and touching lips and our- are... <laughs> Our lovemaking, and because <laughs> there's two sets of lips, right? Oh, I mean, really, kind of like
1: three. I'm should we so- just keep going? I'm sorry, but lip shits. <laughs> Your lips should touch. Okay, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> and furthermore, that lesbianism is. Among other things, touching other women through dancing, playing soccer, hugging, holding hands, kissing, lesbians need to be free from the, from the libido of, from the tyranny of orgasm seeking. Sometimes hugging is nice.
1: I I like hugging. I do too. But I have to say, I hug, I, I'm not a huge hugger. I like hugger. to hug naked. I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not a huge hugger. I've been known that if somebody will say, like, if you get a hug from Kim, like, that's a big deal. I'm not a hugger. I'm not a hugger. Not a hugger. But, um, and I also, when I do hug you, I'm well, not you, but when I hug people other than you, it's not necessarily about any type of satisfaction no. other than like, I just w- w- would like to show you that I care. Yeah. And I love you. But naked hugging, mm-hmm. is that when our lips are touching? I mean, sometimes, okay. I all three sets, two sets, one set. I can't with those names. okay. so, but part of what we we we're I mean, we're obviously taking a very serious subject and we're giggling and laughing about it, which is completely mature. It's, yes. but i do I do think that there's this oh boy. Blueberry Pancakes is having a showdown with Captain Underbite right now. He's
0: got the higher ground right now.
1: Blue- blueberry Pancakes is going to win. And with a name like Blueberry Pancakes, <laughs> I mean, he is clearly a savage animal.
0: <laughs> He's got his like onesie on with his, with with a cape. Yeah. Blueberry Pancakes in the corner. Okay.
1: So, but, but I think what you and I were kind of giggling about is that, you know, even within these studies, which a term is coined to define an entire grouping of people. Yeah is still the study was determined based off of a heteronormative penis insertion way of thinking about sex. Mm -hmm. So our conversation going back to our Friday night dinner conversation that our co part or apparently our co diners on either side of us couldn't stop listening was we were talking about the satisfaction of intimacy Mm -hmm. as equal to the satisfaction of uh, apparently a two hour lesbian sex session.
0: Yeah. Cause we were talking about like how we get into bed. Like, do you get into bed and like stay on your opposite sides or do you get in bed, get into bed? Not, not, not that you have, you know, um, get in bed and have sex, but get into bed. And then like, you know, cause that's your intimate,
1: you know, I mean, you can make, you can make the argument and I'm, I'm okay sharing a little bit about this, but I'm not going to go into like too much detail, but You know, the way that I get into bed with you is that is my, that is probably the most, one of the most intimate spaces that we share. Yes. Because, you know, we we tend to sleep without any clothes on, like a lot of people do. Yeah. And it is. <laughs> and, you know, I'm typically freezing cold, and your body runs really warm. And it's a super intimate embrace of like really kind of holding on to each other. Mm-hmm. That's where we lay our heads at the end of the day. And it's like we both kind of exhale and yeah. we spend, and that is incredibly vulnerable and intimate and connecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a real form of intimacy. Does it end in orgasm? Well, sometimes it does Yeah. Um, a lot of times it does, but a lot of times it doesn't too. Mm-hmm. And how do you rate those spaces? Like, I wouldn't necessarily want, you know, somebody coming in and doing a study of that space and saying, well, you're in a lesbian deathbed because you're not having sex at the same frequency as someone else. And I'm like, but what about the quality and the intimacy of that moment? Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I, I hate when people say lesbian deathbed because to me, it's like, it does happen to some extent. We know this with with couples, as we get older, we might not want to have sex as much. Intimacy may shift and look other ways. Our libido drops. I mean, we went through and prepping for this podcast. We went through lists and lists and lists of things that impact your sexual desire. Um, if you're on antidepressants, um, the world around you can have a serious impact of how often you want to have sex and you may just crave more interesting, or you may just I remember when I first had children, I was like, I just didn't want someone touching my body. Yeah. Because I felt like when I had little kids, my body was being touched all, all the day. time. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say like we're kind of giggling about this, but in making it, you know, fun and light in the moment that Pepper Schwartz kind of did this, did it did a dirty and putting <laughs> this name on a whole group of women where it was still defining sex in a way that I think is narrow.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and, and it's like, you know, and then are you defining sex? Like the moment you get into bed and start touching or even just, you know,
1: or sex defined by those eight minutes of insertion.
0: Right. Right. I mean, and or, or does it start when you come home from work and you, and you lock eyes and you're like, there you are. Or you're watching and just like that. And you just and yeah. you start lacking eyes
1: over, right? Yeah, it's like, not even sex started. Yeah, it's like you're not even touching, but there's that connection. There's also um, one of the things I had read when we were prepping for this is that for people that have a penis, orgasm is roughly three to five minutes. Is how long it takes. Yep. If you are a person that has a vagina and a clitoris, fifteen to forty minutes. Yeah. So okay, can we just like think about that for heterosexual couples though? If it takes the woman. <laughs> or I'm sorry, if it takes the person with a vagina and a clitoris 15 to 40 minutes to get to climax mm-hmm. and it takes a man, I'm sorry, a human with a penis three to five minutes and it's eight minutes is what typically are. I, 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 I come on. That's yeah. so unfair to the person that needs 15 to 40 minutes. Like you really are going to get there in eight minutes. I, I say you're probably bringing something else to bed with you that vibrates. And maybe yeah. that's how you get there. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I st-
1: and I'm I i i have
0: heard everything you said, but I was also smiling and and giggling because it it I had a memory where I was I was with a person one time where they said that um every woman they were with had orgasms every single time they had sex, and I was like, you sure about that?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> really? How do you know that? <laughs> I was like, wow, you got some arrogance there, buddy.
1: Oh my god he he this was this was a person who identifies as male. Uh-huh. Do they identify with male and have genitalia that matches it? Yes. Okay. So he thinks
0: cisgender. Cisgendered
1: man, man mm-hmm. thinks that his penis was bringing every single woman he had ever been with to orgasm. Oh yeah. Was it in eight minutes?
0: I don't know. He was he was he was like, Oh yeah, I I they had I'm like, how do you know? I'm like, you there's he's like, Oh, but but they did. Uh,
1: okay. I'm, oh, not, my I'm God. not gonna the argue with you. The fragility of that comment to me mm-hmm. is like I, I you know I've had sex with men, I've had sex with women, and i'm I've been pretty pretty lucky that the, the 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 experiences that I've had with people that identify as male and having sex with them they never said anything like that to me. I do feel somewhat um like i it was i imagine I was probably not the best sexual partner to them because. I was probably that person that was like okay it's yeah I yeah. I'm not something's not working yeah same. Um, and it had nothing to do with them it had everything to do with me
0: yeah me too but
1: to have someone say that's me that every person they've ever been with knowing how t- challenging it can be for women to get to orgasm in that special 8 minutes you're giving them like come on really dude
0: i wonder if it was a way to like you know guilt oh because you were guilt weren't. because i wasn't and i was like Oh, oh, so right. there's something
1: wrong with you. So there's something
0: wrong with me because I was not orgasming. And, and he, and the, all the other women, p- people with vaginas that he had been with, they orgasmed. So therefore you are the problem. I'm going to say you were having
1: sex with the wrong person. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, th- yep. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, but one of the things, Alex, now that we've completely, you know, like gone with, with from lip ships to pepper Schwartz, <laughs> to all, the, all the things about to spell. <laughs> You did not just do a sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> you kill me. I love you so much. <laughs> you make me laugh more than any other human on this planet. <laughs> um. And now that we've de- de- sort of debunked a little bit of this theory of m- lesbian deathbed, the one of the things, though, that we really did want to talk about, and this is we're going to take a little bit more of a serious note, is. The experience, because we have a lot of people that identify as trans and non-binary, we sometimes get a lot of like, you know, listener email um, or messages from people that are like kind of starting a transition or thinking about a transition, mm-hmm. which is, you know, what makes you amazing that as a non-binary trans human being, like you really put your experiences out there, mm-hmm. which I really admire about you because I think it normalizes and gives probably some connection and hope to people that are like, Oh my God, what's happening with me. Hold on. We got a cat sack cat sanctuary movement. Okay. Um, I am a person that I believe that in the, in the sharing and vulnerability of one's own experiences, you create healing and connection for another person, which is really the whole reason we do this podcast. Yes. Um, so when you were and it, I think sometimes it's easier for me to like, ask you questions and lead you in, which is why my voice is coming through and not Alex's. I, I don't mean to rob you of your voice in any way, but when we were, um, when you were transitioning or mm-hmm. you were, I don't even know if I want to say when you're transitioning, but when you were starting to figure out who you really are, yeah, it definitely impacted the way you were showing up in sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. And you said, you're actually going to share a little bit with that yeah. with us today. So do you want to dive in or is it more helpful for me to be like, so Alex, Tell me what the CDC says. Oh, yeah, we could start there. You want to tell me what the CDC yeah. said about transsex? Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, so um, the CDC ha- has some has some data around um, LGBTQ people, and basically they say that transgender. Let me back up. Um, s- stats about um, sexual assault, physical violence, um, being b- having some kind of sexual trauma in their life. And they report that transgender people have the most staggering statistic of all, which is 64% um, have been sexually, sexually assaulted in their lifetime.
1: 64%
0: have experienced 64%, sexual assault in their lifetime. Yeah. Which is basically, that is unbelievable. yeah, it's um, t- tremendously higher than the other uh, groups that they studied. But yes, it's hard to hear. It's also makes, because I've experienced, you know, sexual assault and it just, um, it makes a lot of sense.
1: It does. Okay. So can you like, tell me a little bit more about why that makes so much sense?
0: Well, because I think, you know, when you grew up in this heteronormative world and you are, are conditioned and trained to think that, that you're cisgender, but you're not. So like, um, you just, Oh shoot. I just hadn't had my thought and I lost it. Um, so I, ke- I, in my brain, I'm like thinking, you know, I like boys. And so I kept trying to have sex with boys. I kept trying to have sex with boys and basically like just would completely dissociate. Um, didn't, I had a very little, um, sense of boundaries for myself. I didn't basically show up with having a lot of self-worth or self- respect for my, for my body. But in that, but then, and almost like doubling down on, on well, I'm going to continue this harm on myself or continue this because this is all I know. And so, um, so if I, yeah, so it, it, it doesn't make sense, but it does. So,
1: the, so essentially what I hear you telling me is that when you were before you really had the language to understand yourself. Yeah. Okay. You're going with what is sort of being proposed to you as this is what you should be doing which is having sex with men. Yeah. Okay. But you're finding when you're having sex with them you are completely dissociating.
0: Yeah, I mean they're like overperforming like putting on some kind of like, you know, porn star show um which that's very kind of like
1: but intense it, yeah. image to
0: to put in your head but you're you're essentially performing or you're I guess in a sense, you're, regardless of what you're doing, you're, you're dissociating both ways. Like you're not really.
1: So for you, you had been, um, you, had, you've experienced sexual assault mm-hmm. and
0: the first time I was about like nine or 10. I'm
1: sorry. Yeah. And then again, when I was 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so these things obviously are going to have an impact on the way that you experience physical intimacy as an adult. Yeah. And that is I'm still trying to sit with like that, that um, statistic around our trans community with our trans community that 64% have experienced sexual assault Mm -hmm. and it is the highest out of any grouping of people. Yeah. That's that's heartbreaking. Yeah. But for you, you know, You've you experienced that, and trying to understand like why is sex not connecting for me? Mm -hmm. So here's here's a question for you. So when you when you started having sex with women, did you still experience the same dissociation? Um,
0: no. It was a very um, it, it was like the shame and the guilt of like, I shouldn't be doing this, but Mm -hmm. this feels, I mean, I never thought like this. Well, when I first started, like my first experience, I was like, this, this is, I mean, my first experience with, with a, with a a person with a vagina, I'm trying to be very inclusive. Um, it was like, we were making out on top of a, a car in the middle of a parking lot with, is that too much detail to share? No, no, no. Um, and they were, it was like, it is cisgender, like straight bar. And it was like very, you know, this is for everyone's entertainment. I remember just being like, as far as I'm concerned, no one else is here because it felt so like real to me. Mm-hmm. And then also understanding the harm that I was putting, that I was, that the, all the things that were happening as well, I should say the, like the layers that were happening around me. Um so, I just had so much unpacked guilt and shame around that this just feels good and right
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then but that um guilt and shame uh took more took more weight for a while than let me actually lean more into this
1: so when do you think was there was there parts of your life then that you were able to? Acknowledge that you were dissociating either from your body and like coming, like I'm not exactly sure. I'm sorry, I'm asking this in like a really shitty way. But when did it start? When did your sexual experiences start to shift for you? Was it when you recognize like, okay, maybe having sex with men isn't where I want to be, or people that have a penis? Um, was it more like okay, I have the language and understanding of myself? Like what started to make you, I guess, have sexual satisfaction? Um, or start to enjoy sex, or not feel dissociated from it.
0: I think, like, frankly, honestly, of course, when you, when you, when I met you, Mm -hmm. when when we connected, like, because I started to learn that I can feel. I started to learn what safety felt like, Mm -hmm. and looked like, and sounded like, and um, and just you know, that was very healing. Like you being in my life was very healing for me. And that I was able to um connect because I was in my, you know, 20s, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, sex is just sex. And then I started to connect um the emotional and the physical and then the spiritual aspect of of this very intimate act that you do with someone.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I guess I have a little bit of like pause and I'm I'm thinking when you say sex is sex and it doesn't necessarily have to connect like emotionally or, or I, I, this is interesting because it's something, um, as being a parent, Yeah, I've thought about a lot with how I talk about sex with my kids. And on one hand, I'm like, I am not a person where sex is just sex. Sex to me is, I, I don't, I don't know that that's ever felt like me ever, Yeah, but then I feel like I know people that it is that way that they yeah. do just see it as like a basic human need. Yep. Um, it doesn't have to mean everything. Um, it can mean, you know, obviously it means respectful, shared enjoyment, all of those things. Um, but I'm curious, because especially when I talk to my kids about it, like how much of a narrative am I putting on them that sex should mean something every time that you have it? I, I don't know. I'd be curious to talk to someone who, um does not like who really is like a sex is just sex person. It's just about two bodies together experiencing shared satisfaction. Yeah. Because I think I mean obviously that's I'm not here to to, to judge what anybody's experiences, but I recognize myself as a person. I am not able to dissociate the, the mm-hmm. act of physical like with the intimacy and the emotion. Um Versus just a physical act, but for you, that was something you. Well, it sounds like you tried to do it for a long time.
0: Well, I I think because I'm such a, I'm wired, you know, emotional and energetic, and so that you know, you you become, I think a part of me became very like sex is just sex because, it was a measurable, sense of 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 pleasure because in my body and in my myself in the world. I ha- I couldn't, I couldn't see and couldn't figure out like what, um, what self love or, or self, you know, what that felt like and looked like. So, um, you almost like double down on the thing that's hurting you mm-hmm. in a sense. Um, and so, yeah, it's, and then almost so connected to your emotional, I was like, well, I couldn't understand this. And so I just went to what's the easiest most accessible
1: way to feel way to
0: feel good, which okay. is have an orgasm mm-hmm. basically. And, but I knew also knew like, there's more, there's more here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you so just, yeah.
1: So for, for when you, um, got the language of non-binary and trans-masculine, yeah. how did that impact your sex life? Oh, so, um, so many layers. I think,
0: I think realizing realizing that I'd been dissociating through the act of sex for a very long time, trying to understand now that I knew this about myself, um, how was I supposed to show up in the world? Like, what does it mean to, to be non-binary is very much in my head. And I think, so it's like, great. I see this about myself. What do I do with it? And how, how do I, how do I be this thing that I am? Mm -hmm. Um, and so it changed because it literally it's being trans and non-binary is a part of your sense of self. And so it just, it changes everything, including the way you, the way you have sex. And, um, so there was, I went through times where I just, um, I, because sex had been defined for me, like this And then you have an orgasm. So there was spaces were being, being in intimate spaces and not being able to orgasm and then mm-hmm. being frustrated that I couldn't orgasm and I didn't know. And then, so it took a while to, to drop into, from my head, into my, into my body and, and just feel, and just feel. And even though I would be thinking, just, just feel, just feel. And it was so hard mm-hmm. to stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can only move as fast as you can move.
1: Yeah. Well, and I guess that's part of um, why we like to have these conversations yeah. because it was, it was emotionally a very challenging, you've said it was a very emotionally challenging time because before, you know, you had learned to dissociate your body, your emotions in your head from what was happening and just let your body be like, okay, I'm just going to do this. And then you identify who you are in your body, which is a non-binary transmasculine person. And then you're trying to achieve physical intimacy, knowing those things exist in the same space. And it took you, I mean, I remember you telling me, it took you a long time to be able to meld these things.
0: Yeah. Cause it was even like, I'm, I should be able to, I I'm supposed to, am I supposed to like you're asking yourself like what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And there's really no, just like everything else, like you just no one can answer it for you.
1: Well, and I remember your therapist, you telling me your therapist said, just play with your body for a while.
0: Yeah. And that was all good in theory and the and the, the practice. I mean, just like every everything else, like you're you're putting in the work into yourself, and that's fun, it can be fun and it's and it's rewarding. And it's also really hard and it can be painful. Um, but, but I knew that, okay. I said, I looked at it like if I, if I all the way, the only way out is all the way in. So if I do the work and play with myself, play with myself and (laughs) share how I'm feeling with my partner, you, Mm -hmm. and, um, just, just, um, it's going to the joy, the, 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 it, um, you get there.
1: So if you were to be
0: patience and kindness for yourself, <laughs>
1: yeah. um, but if, if, what is one thing where you are now, right? Yeah. If you could go back and tell yourself right when you were really in this phase of like, cause you know, a frustration of trying to figure it out of in theory, getting words like, Hey, you just got to give yourself time and play with your body. Is there anything you wish you could go back and tell yourself knowing where you are now? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Well, I guess what
0: I would just say a a reminder of, um, breathe, keep breathing. Like you're going to get there, but that, that in the moment frustration where you, you know that you're in a place where you don't want to be. And so, um, I could almost, I could visualize, I could visualize freedom in my body. And I knew that then I didn't have that still, in a sense. Mm, but mm-hmm. I did, but I didn't, but it didn't feel, and the only proof I had was that it didn't quite feel the way I knew it would feel when you just know. Okay. Right?
1: Yeah. I'm I'm hooked onto these words freedom in your body. Yeah. That is. I, I really need to sit with those words because freedom in your body for you means for, for each of us means something.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: freedom in your body meant just identifying, like melding your identity and then how you physically move through the world and then how you physically move through a sexual experience.
0: Yeah. And I think it, it tied to a big
1: theme that you and I talk about a lot,
0: which is, which is queer joy. Mm-hmm. And how long I denied and not even ignored, but was unaware of, of what it felt like and what it looked like. And I was like, but freedom is going to mean joy. So if I don't, if if I go through this, I'm going to find mm-hmm. freedom and joy in mm-hmm. my body.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you have found freedom and joy in your body now?
0: Yes. Um yes, I think it but it's not it there's no it's not an end game. There's not like I've hey, I've crossed the finish line like I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Cuz cuz it's It's
1: constantly evolving and moving, right? It's
0: constantly evolving. I have days where I, you know, have gender dysphoria with 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 some body parts and so it's like, you know, that's always being um processed and and redefined.
1: Well, and I know that this is something that our wonderful sponsors that you've seen have told us that they, they would really appreciate us having a conversation about. So this will be a future episode of understanding when your partner is experiencing dysmorphia and as a, as a partner and as a person, like how you actually work through that Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit of a spoiler when when, um, because I am, I am the partner of a non-binary trans person and that identity, of course, it shows up in the way that we experience intimacy together. There are just things that I needed to have awareness around. And when I went to, because, you know, I'm a type a Capricorn and my goal in everything in life is I read as much as I, as I possibly can. I'm a naturally curious person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I couldn't find any information. There yeah. was, there was just avoid of anyone out there talking about how how this was going to be experienced for you right for you to understand okay i need to sink into my body but everything i've been taught about sex about gender normatives about um hetero heterosexual like all of it isn't going to apply to me yeah So, and then as a partner of that understanding, like how real the dysmorphia was for you and how it was going to show up and how, quite frankly, not to make it about myself, that was a practice in itself. So we will talk about this a little bit in a future um, episode. I think we're still kind of pulling together some resources for it, but so just know, like if you're listening and you're either the partner of a person who is um, identifies as transgender Um, or you're, you are yourself, like there is a lack of resources out there. It is going to feel really frustrating trying to find it. Um, We, we both experienced that. Yeah. I think I found one book. Yeah. One book.
0: Yeah. Cause trans trans um, bodies, you know, we don't celebrate, we don't really celebrate trans or, or, or the he- the culture tells us to not celebrate trans bodies.
1: Well, yeah, I, I mean, and to go back to like, yes, we we don't. I, I'm, I'm. Guess I'm. This is why this is going to be a future episode is because yeah. I'm still kind of processing it out. But what bodies do we celebrate? What bodies do we give permission to feel joy? Um, whether it's through sex or anything, because like I even go to like um the ableist and the able-bodied that yeah. is what we constantly see. And we don't really get to see the experiences of people that might not be living in that center of privilege around how your body functions. Mm-hmm. And what does what does the experience of finding sexual joy look like for all different bodies? Um, there it, it, it's it's very frustrating to me. And and even like with this study that we were talking about in the beginning around categorizing lesbian sex as this deathbed thing. Mm-hmm how much information is given to us that what we're striving for, as far as like feeling joy, and all of this is seen through such a narrow focus Mm -hmm. of really what what cisgendered heterosexual sex looks like. And even in that, it's still very male dominated Mm -hmm. in the way that You know, satisfaction is looked at. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm interested in continuing that conversation. Mm -hmm. And so, if there's somebody out there that's listening, Blueberry Pancakes, I'm going to put you on the floor. If there's anybody out there that is um, maybe experiencing this, if you have some insight for us, like please, please email us because this is a conversation that needs to continue.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would even say like someone that's transitioning or just or thinking about it or um, in the beginning, you know of. Of kind of redefining or rebuilding the relationship with, with their own body as a trans non-binary person, like that, you know, I remember just really wanting that orgasm because, um, because that was the quote unquote, like the quick fix, like the, like the, like the easiest, most accessible, but telling myself back to what you were saying, like, if I could go back, like, just that constant reminder of be in your body. It, you don't have to have an orgasm that, that, the you will find the pleasure in this process of, um, maybe you orgasm, maybe you don't <laughs> like, it's, it's going to be okay. And you're gonna, and if you keep, keep going, like you'll.
1: And that orgasm is not necessarily the end goal
0: here. Right. And that doesn't make your, that doesn't define your sex as being good or bad. It's just about the, about the deeper layers of the, of the connection and that, and the relationship with your partner and the relationship with your, with yourself. And yeah.
1: Thank you for sharing with me. Yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Should we tell people what to do?
0: Okay. Rosie.
1: Oh my God. Coming to you live from our unsuccessful animal sanctuary. We now Captain an
0: is, is behind my butt. <laughs> Blueberry pancakes is on my lap. Tookie's asleep on the, on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. And Rosie's here for emotional support. She's begging, <laughs> She's begging for emotional support. <laughs> so oh, thanks y'all for listening. Thanks for going on that ride with us. Y'all. Um, you can find us on how to be queer podcast on Apple podcasts and Spotify podcast. If you want to reach out to us, we have Instagram and Facebook on Balls of Magic. Yeah, Instagram and Facebook on Balls of Magic. Also, you've seen um, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Please donate to them. Please donate. And if you'd like to reach us, you can email us at howtobequeerpodcast at gmail.com.
1: And thank y'all for listening and thanks for when you send us support, even if like you, you, you run into us personally, um, which happens mm-hmm. or hey. what did we, what did you figure out? We were being, we're in 70, how many 28 countries?
0: Well, at the time, 27 episodes at the time, um, in 28 countries, my goodness, I know we have a mostly sister, mind. We have a women are the. So,
1: women are our primary audience. Regardless, people that identify as a woman. Yeah, our
0: primary audience. Yep. Hey. Hey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you all for listening. I can't wait to be back with you soon.
0: Bye.